Welcome to KindCast. My name is Allison, and I am the creator and host of this show. The intention of KindCast is to inspire you to transform from being a generally good person to an engaged, passionate, and truly great member of this family that we call the human race. Today, I'm going to chat with you about food waste, an issue very dear to my heart and one that I work on both in my professional and personal life. The United States, it's known as a land of plenty, right? But the thing is, it's a land of plenty where one in six people go hungry. And nearly 40% of this edible food in this country goes to waste, and it harms more than just hungry people. With $160 billion worth of edible food being thrown away every year, the fiscal and environmental impact of food waste is enormous. Seems like a lot to take in, right? Well, let's start with how this is possible. Number one is food appearance standards. So grocery stores are typically expected to only sell attractive produce. You've probably noticed this in most grocery stores, like everything is so beautiful, which is impressive. And we're really lucky to live in a world where our food is really beautiful. But the thing is, a lot of food that's grown isn't attractive and it's just thrown out. It's not sold at our grocery stores. Thankfully, there are companies, you know, for cosmetics or animal feed who will buy uh, produce that otherwise wouldn't make it to the grocery store shelves and they'll use it in their various recipes. But the thing is, even those companies only need so much. So everything else is just thrown away. What's frustrating about that is that often that food is perfectly edible. It doesn't necessarily need to be pretty to taste good. And the other problem with this too is that People have grown accustomed to this blemish-free produce, so when they see this ugly produce, they're automatically not going to choose to buy it, or they might not even express interest in buying it, because they say, oh, it's ugly, I don't care if it's thrown away. But the thing is, food waste does cause a lot of environmental impact, as well as a fiscal impact, and people are going hungry, so something needs to be done about that. Next are the best buy and sell by dates. So first I want to clarify what best buy and sell by dates are. In a grocery store on a package, a best buy date is essentially the expiration date. They're saying, okay, this is pretty much the last day that this food is going to be good. Um, and sell-by dates, those are much more arbitrary. They're just saying, okay, this needs to be off the grocery store shelf by this date. And what I've experienced and what I've heard from other people, there's a serious frustration about, okay, what is the actual date that I should be done trying to consume this by? Because sell-by date is just kind of vague. But it's not just the vagueness of these dates that makes it so frustrating. The real problem here is that producers have the opportunity to completely make up these dates. The FDA says, quote, this is entirely at the discretion of the manufacturer, end quote. So the manufacturer has every opportunity to make a little extra money by creating dates that are actually inaccurate. They can make sell-by and best-by dates that are far too early so that consumers are forced to throw out their product sooner and buy more. So not only is this uncool, but it's extremely wasteful. Now, I know these issues can be frustrating. You say, well, what could be done about them? These are my solutions to some of these bigger systemic problems. We'll then go and discuss what just an average person can do on a regular basis, but I'd really like to discuss briefly what can be done at a more systemic level. Starting with food appearance, food that's deemed to be ugly should still be encouraged to arrive at grocery store shelves but just sell it at a discounted rate. This would not only reduce the amount of food being thrown away at the processing site, but it would also provide an opportunity for lower-income people to acquire fresh produce. And furthermore, it makes the store look really good, and that should be the incentive for the people who are selling this produce, because from a moral standpoint, 
by selling this discounted produce, it's showing that they really do care about their consumers who maybe don't have as much money. And the fact that they're still putting out less waste, of course, always looks really, really good. Now, some may argue that the sorting of this ugly produce from the other nice produce at the store um, is going to take more time and effort than just tossing that produce into a compost pit at the processing site. And while this may be true, there are millions of hungry Americans who see this discount as a chance to sufficiently feed their families, and therefore it's justified. Now, in regard to the sell-by and best-by expiration dates, there must be legal change on how food sell-by and expiration dates are managed. There needs to be a federal agreement upon how long certain foods can remain on the shelves. And any food products labeled with the sell-by date, um, which is typically on like dairy, meat, and bread, should also have an expiration date printed next to it on the packaging. By sharing both of these benchmark dates, we can, we can prevent the producers from inaccurately indicating what should be a sell-by date as an expiration date, leading stores and consumers to throw away their products too soon, which, as we discussed earlier, results in significantly more food waste. Now, to further protect the producer, seller, and consumer from risk, the food sold after the sell-by date in that window between like sell-by and expiration should be sold at a discounted price, with a very clear warning to the consumer about that terminal and all be all expiration date. This system would actually open up the opportunity for lower income people to buy this food, much like the discounted ugly produce. And leaving that warning for the consumers will protect the producers and sellers from any legal implications about the food because those dates are very clearly marked. Now, some may argue that the quality control required from site to site would be too difficult because you would need to have quality control measures from the producer and you would need to make sure that animals' health was in check and that everything was kept temperature controlled, X, Y, and Z, uh, to get it from ultimately the producer to the seller to the consumer. But my solution to this is to hire people who are in charge of keeping track of and reporting quality control measures. And this will not only help to implement the aforementioned food waste solution, but it would also infiltrate a few, like a few more jobs into the American economy. And what's even better is that producers and sellers could be further incentivized to use this proposed solution by being encouraged to hire employees that qualify under the Work Opportunity Tax Credit, or WOTC. The cool thing about the WOTC is that it's designed for people who really need a foot up in life. Um, the people who fall under this bracket essentially are in target groups. And these are people like unemployed and disabled veterans, food stamp recipients, long-term unemployment recipients, and even occasionally ex-felons. The cool thing for grocery stores about hiring these people is that they would actually, or even not just grocery stores, but also the producers, pretty much everybody in that supply chain, if they hire somebody who falls under WOTC, they would get a tax break, which is obviously great for the company. Um, and the other cool thing about this program is the idea is that you're rehabilitating members of society. And that's something that tends to be really well favored across party lines is the idea of rehabilitating people who need some extra help. And it makes the American society a lot better and it makes our economy better and ultimately improves our world presence. So it's a pretty easy sell, in my opinion. Now, those things are all great. However, they are more complicated and not everybody is going to you know, quit their job and quit their family life to try and fight the food justice fight. Like that's just not realistic. So I have a list of things that are much, much more realistic. My first solution for the everyday person is to plan ahead only buy what you really need. So that means, you know, maybe meal planning, creating a shopping list when you go shopping, don't go shopping when you're hungry. As people often say, be really, really smart in your shopping. 
And the other thing, because we're all very guilty of this, is to actually use the produce and the bread and things like that that you buy that do expire, rather than leaving them in your refrigerator drawer and letting them decompose and you find them like a couple of weeks too late and they smell bad and it's a big disappointment for everyone involved. Just pay attention, plan ahead, and you will be dramatically reducing your food waste. Not for cafeterias, because cafeterias, you know, are at places of work, they're at hospitals, they're at schools. A lot of people eat in cafeterias. What you can do here is just pay attention to how much food you're taking. Really think about how much you're going to eat. At the university where I work, I'm actually um, kind of collaborating with a group of engineering students who are working on a project to help reduce food waste at the university. But because they're engineering students, it's more than just a social project of looking at how much food is wasted in the dining halls, which is very useful. But they're also building an anaerobic digester. And what that does is it breaks down the food scraps and turns it into renewable energy, which is super, super amazing. So I'm hoping to have them on the show at some point to talk about that more in depth because it's just unbelievably impressive. And I'm so unbelievably proud of what they do. But their biggest suggestion for the more social side of their project is really just to pay attention to how much you're taking at the cafeteria and not taking too much. My third point, just to kind of reiterate the ugly produce point, is try and buy ugly produce. There are grocery stores out there that sell it. There's also a program, if you're near San Francisco, there's a company called Imperfect Produce. And what they do is that they buy ugly produce directly from the growers and they sell it at 30 30 to 50% less than the market price of the more attractive produce. And that's super cool, but it's only sold in a few counties. And the other problem with this is that not everybody has access to the internet. Not everybody has a permanent address to have these foods delivered to them. So we need to be encouraging our grocery stores to start selling ugly produce saying, Hey, we will buy it. If it's in the store, we know it's still good. And we really believe that this is what the American public wants. If we show that the demand is there to have it physically in a grocery store, as opposed to ordering it online, eventually it'll work out. So if you have connections at a grocery store, awesome. Go ahead and encourage them. If you see ugly produce in the store, especially if it's marked as ugly produce and that's like a big promo thing for them, definitely buy it. I know Whole Foods is doing that. Um, In the city where I live, I know there is a co-op market that sells ugly produce for like a dollar less or something. It's really, 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 really cool. So definitely encourage that. But here's the thing. (laughs) This is merely an introduction to food waste. And I plan to talk about it more in depth over the span of several episodes. But it's just one of those topics that can get really complex, as any important issue can be. So I don't want you to feel overwhelmed by everything I'm talking about. And that's why I'm keeping the episode fairly short. I want you to leave this episode inspired. You know, KindCast is all about inspiring and empowering people. And if you're inundated with too much information makes your brain explode a little bit. So hopefully at least you're gaining something really positive and inspiring and empowering from this episode. And I so look forward to sharing more with you in the future. So thank you for tuning into the third episode of KindCast. Thank you so much. This is such a special and exciting project. And I'm hoping that you can really take something from this. Be sure to keep an eye out for updates on KindCast on both Facebook and Instagram. And as always, have a lovely day. This is KindCast. KindCast.